Corinthians chapter 4, verse 20. The kingdom of God is not just a lot of talk, but it is living by God's power. All right, so the kingdom of God is not just a lot of talk, but it is living through the power of God. Trusting and believing in Jesus. We're not just a religious people. We are a faithful people, an obedient people. A people who are trusting in all that God has established in Christ, in His Word, empowered by the Holy Spirit. And so I have some scriptures for us that I want to look at today on the topic of freedom. As we celebrated our nation's freedom, and as today is 22 years of freedom for me in Christ, I wanted to kind of lay back a foundation for our little small fellowship. We are true freedom fellowship. True meaning genuine. I pray that none of us are wearing masks. 
but that we would be genuine and first and foremost in our relationship with God and then our relationship with each other. And that we would boldly proclaim freedom. Freedom to ourselves and to others. The gospel, the message of Christ, the hope of his resurrection, waiting for his glorious return. And that we can live a life that is freed. Not a life still enslaved, but a life that is freed. One who has been born again. One who knows and understands the, the call of Christ to his church. For her to deny herself, to pick up her cross, and to follow him. A genuine freedom, which leads us to a genuine fellowship. And so as we look at these scriptures, the first one is Psalm 119, verse 45. I will walk in freedom, for I have devoted myself to your commandments. Freedom. This is who we are. Not because of anything we've done. But as we know, it's all about what he has accomplished. But are we setting our hearts to this every day? Are we relying on him daily? I mean, look at what the psalmist says here. I will walk in freedom, for I have devoted myself to your commandments. The walk of freedom. You're not free living on your own. You're not free with just a little bit of the word. No, it's his fullness of his word, of his truth. Are you devoted to his word? Are you devoted to allowing the new man, the new woman to mature and to grow? Look at Isaiah 61 verse 1. For the spirit of the sovereign Lord is upon me. For the Lord has appointed me to bring good news to the poor. He has sent me to comfort the brokenhearted and to proclaim that captives will be released and prisoners will be freed. And we know as believers that the prophet is speaking of Jesus. In fact, Jesus himself stood up in a synagogue and announced this. And when he announced it, he says, it's been fulfilled. Jesus, you all. He has been appointed to bring the good news to the poor. He was sent to comfort the brokenhearted and to proclaim to the captives that they will be released and the prisoners will be freed. And as messengers of the gospel, as Christians, as followers of Christ, He has called us to go forth and preach the gospel to announce this hope that is found in the prophecy that Jesus fulfilled. Look at John chapter 8, verse 36. So if the Son sets you free, you are truly free. Free. Free to live a life no longer enslaved and shackled to the temporalness of this world, but free 
to live a life, the abundant life that Christ came to give. And on Wednesday, I was reminding you all, as Jesus reminds us in John 10.10, that it's the thief that comes to steal, to kill, and to destroy. But Jesus says, but I have come to give you life and life and abundance. And so we must ask ourselves as Christians, are we walking in the fullness of what Christ has given us, or are we settling for what the enemy is handing us? He comes to steal, to kill, and to destroy. And we're not to be yoked or enslaved to his ways any longer. Because again, we've been born again. We are now yoked with Christ. We are in Christ. And it doesn't matter our circumstances it doesn't matter what's pressing up against us. Our freedom is found in Christ. The abundant life is found in Christ. And if you are in Christ, you are free. Amen. And free indeed. And so we must grow to a level of maturity that understands this freedom that is in Christ. Look at Acts chapter 13, verse 38 through 39. Brothers, listen. We are here to proclaim that through this man, Jesus, there is forgiveness for your sins. Everyone who believes in him is made right in God's sight. Something the law of Moses could never do. Your religious works can never make you right with God. It is only through Christ. And this is the message we proclaim that it's through Jesus that mankind can find forgiveness of sin. The old nature, a total rebellion towards God, sin bound. Sin, remember what the Bible says, where does sin come from? It comes from the desires that are from within, from that old nature. But remember what the Bible tells us as believers We've reckoned that we've nailed that nature to his cross. And in that, we have found freedom to live differently. See, we need to learn and mature to live in a level, at a level that we are forgiven. Like when you truly know that you're forgiven. Like when you truly understand that you've been liberated from a life that is held enslaved to sin. Oh, we can rejoice that we have been a forgiven, that we are forgiven. Look at Romans 8, 1 through 9. So now there is no condemnation for those who belong to Christ Jesus. And because you belong to him, the power of the life-giving spirit has freed you from the power of sin that leads to death. The law of Moses was unable to save us because of the weakness of our sinful nature. So God did what the law could not do. He sent his own son in a body like the bodies we sinners have. And in that body, God declared an end to sin's control over us by giving his son as a sacrifice for our sins. He did this so that the just requirement of the law would be fully satisfied for us who no longer, look at this, 
follow our sinful nature, but instead follow the Spirit. Those who are dominated by the sinful nature think about sinful things, but those who are controlled by the Holy Spirit think about things that please the Spirit. So letting your sinful nature control your mind leads to death. But letting the spirit control your mind leads to life and peace. For the sinful nature is always hostile to God. It never did obey God's laws and it never will. That's why those who are still under the control of their sinful nature can never please God. But you are not controlled by your sinful nature. You are controlled by the spirit if you have the Spirit of God living in you. And remember that those who do not have the Spirit of Christ living in them do not belong to Him at all. It's obvious the works of the flesh. It's obvious the works of the Spirit in your own life and in the life of others. We're not ignorant. Especially if you're, oh, if you're in the Word, if you're sitting around the church, you're not ignorant of the works of the flesh and the works of the Spirit. And we've got to stop making excuses for the works of the flesh. Because all of that comes from being dominated by sin. And did you read with that first line? So now there is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. In Christ, being dominated by the the Spirit of God, no longer enslaved to the old ways, but living a life now that pleases God, not by our own desires, but by the Spirit of God in us, oh, we stand not condemned any longer. But if you're sitting in church and you're controlled by the sinful nature, you're not in Christ. And the weight of condemnation will burden you. And it will continue to burden you. Because you're not right with God. No matter how many times you quote this scripture. There's a lot of people quoting the first part of the scripture and forgetting the rest. They're declaring that there's no more condemnation for for those who belong to Christ Jesus. And somehow they think they belong to Christ. But let's not forget how the scripture ends there. In verse 9, you are controlled by the Spirit if you have the Spirit of God living in you. And remember, the ones who do not have the Spirit of Christ living in them do not belong to Him at all. And I think, and as I was sharing with you on Wednesday, I think we as the church need to awaken to truth because we're, de- we're being deceived. We're being lulled asleep. I can't get over that, that little devotion I read a few weeks ago where that pastor's wife from the Middle East, when they moved over to America, she pleaded to her husband, let's go back to the Middle East because there's a satanic lullaby happening here in the West. She would rather take her family back to a place where they could be killed for their faith than to remain here. 
And that should awaken us. Should awaken us. And as Norma and I were out downtown praying the other night, and we were looking around this false sense of peace, we both, we both discerned it, we both saw it. It is that, that terror and darkness is, are lurking around every corner, and this false sense of peace is being presented. And then you look at the condition of the churches here in America, where sin is dominating the church. And it's really not the church that's dominating, dominating the religious systems. But people are being lulled asleep. And somehow they've been deceived thinking that they have the Spirit of God in them. But Scripture is very clear. You know if you have the Spirit of God in you, if the Spirit of God is the one who is leading you, who basically is dominating you. Not in a way that he it's forced on you to live right. No, it's you just desire to live because you have a new nature now. You're born again. And so we better start being real and we better start being true and we better start recognizing that not everyone who's claiming to be a Christian is a Christian. Not every religious institution that is out there that slaps Jesus on its name or calls itself a church is following Christ. You will know them by their fruit. You will know them. They're no longer dominated. It's not a continual thing in their life. Again, it's not that you're not going to to sin. But if you do sin, remember, Jesus, repent, turn from it. Sin is no longer to be what defines you. It's not to master you because you've been set free. And this is the message that we have to share with others. Freedom that is found in Christ. Look at Galatians 5.1. So Christ has truly set us free. Now make sure that you stay free and don't get tied up again in slavery to the law. Don't get tied up again to just being religious. No, stay free. Ephesians 3.12, because of Christ and our faith in him, we can now come boldly and confidently into God's presence. Not because of anything we've done, but all because of what he's done. We can boldly come. We are not worthy in and of ourselves, but in Christ we have full access. Romans 5.1 says, Now therefore we have peace with God through Jesus Christ our Lord. And as I've been praying for, for, for the church, and when, I, when I'm praying for you know, God just to move among us, I go, God, we've we got to get on our faces, y'all. We've got to start really praying because people are being deceived into thinking they are right with God. Do you understand how many people woke up today that do not have a fear of God, but yet they claim themselves to be Christians, and they're coming into his presence with a sinful heart and filthy hands. Worshipping. Going through the motions. 
and they will spend an eternity in hell. An eternity in hell. I keep telling you, the very thought of people in hell for eternity with Jesus on their lips, but not in their heart. The ones who are going to stand before him and he says, I do not know you. They've got no fear of God. And yet, though, they'll claim every promise, every blessing, they will come barging in to his presence. But they would never know the fullness of Christ because they've never been born again. And no one is saying anything to them. No one is correcting them. No one loves them enough to tell them the truth. And how sad. How sad. But we can have the confidence if we are in Christ to know this scripture, Ephesians 3.12, because of Christ, our faith in Him, we can now boldly and confidently come into the presence of God. And there's nothing that can compare to his presence. To abide in him. Remember, those were Jesus' words. Abide in me. Remain in me. Apart from me, you could do nothing. Abide. We We need to allow ourselves to cultivate that desire that the Holy Spirit has given us to abide in Christ. This is just a lifestyle. This is just who we are. It's not about coming to a place for someone to put on a show for you or have the music the way you like it or have the structure the way you like it or you know all the weird stuff that people do. No, it's just who you are every day. It, doesn't, it shouldn't seem odd. It, it shouldn't seem weird to Christians. It will to the world. <laughs> it's just who we are now. Living a life that is continually in his presence. And then Colossians 1, 19 through 23. For God in all of his fullness was pleased to live in Christ. And through him God reconciled everything to himself. He made peace with everything in heaven and on earth by means of Christ's blood on the cross. This includes you who were once far away from God. You were his enemies, separated from him by your evil thoughts and actions. Yet now he has reconciled you to himself through the death of Christ in his physical body. And as a result, he has brought you into his own presence, and you are holy and blameless as you stand before him without a single fault. But you must continue to believe this truth and stand firmly in it. Don't drift away from the assurance you received when you heard the good news. The good news has been preached all over the world. And I, Paul, have appointed, has, have been appointed as God's servant to proclaim it. Look what that says there. For God in all of his fullness was pleased to live in Christ, and through him God reconciled everything to himself. Everything. And I love it when scripture says including you. 
you were his enemy, separated from him. And why were you separated? And how were you separated? Because of your evil thoughts and actions. Because of sin. That's why sin is not to mark the church. Sin is not to mark the Christian life. Sin is not how we should be living. And if that's the dominated fruit in our life, if that's the fruit that's coming out for all to see, every day, 24-7, no ways around and in and out of it, Where's the work of Christ that one is claiming? No. We are to bear his image. We are to boldly proclaim this gospel of freedom, of forgiveness. And as we're boldly professing it and sharing it, we're living it. We're experiencing it, you all. How horrible. What a twisted, messed up mind one would have to claim it and then not yet experience. What a tormented life. To be dominated by sin and hell and proclaim freedom. It's tormenting. It's tormenting. Oh, let that not be said about us. Let that not be said about us. No, we should be striving for maturity every day of our lives. Look what it says there. But you must continue to believe this truth and stand firmly in it. Don't drift away from the assurance you received when you heard the good news. He who the Son sets free is free indeed. Walk with your head up. Walk in confidence in Christ, not in of yourself. Know whom you belong to. And as I keep telling us, it's getting crazier and darker. The Word of God tells us what the days are coming up on this earth are going to be like. But let's not forget that Scripture also ends in saying, but the gospel will be preached throughout the earth. Amen. So, so what? There's still work to do. And that's why we must be about our Father's business. That's why I was encouraging y'all as we were reading through the book of Acts on Wednesday. We've got to start taking inventory on how we're living our lives. We, we've got to start allowing Christ to be Lord. We've got to allow, allow the Holy Spirit to rule and to reign. We've got to stop doing what we've been doing in things that are not honoring to God. And we've got to get rid of some relationships and we've got to start getting really serious about who Christ is and His coming, His return. Are your lamps full? Are you ready for the bridegroom? Because He can come at any moment. I love this little meme I saw on social media the other day. It says, I'm no longer looking for the signs of the times. I'm waiting to hear the trumpet. Oh, see, the signs of the time are already among us. His return is approaching. We don't know the day or the hour, but we must live as if it's now, as if it's the next moment. 
And so how dare we continue just to do and be in these weird relationships and these unhealthy mindsets and and sin-induced slavery? (laughs) That's not who we're supposed to be. We make a mockery of him. When we trample his blood underneath our feet and treat it as something as common, that is not how we're to be living. We must be bold. We must honor Christ in all that we do. In 1 Peter 2, verse 16, For you are free, yet you are God's slaves. So don't use your freedom as an excuse to do evil. And I love this scripture. And I've shared these scriptures because these are scriptures that I go to for encouragement. You are free, yet you are God's slaves. And I know we don't like that term nowadays, slave, but I, we need to remember, we are slaves. Either slaves to sin or slaves to righteousness. You choose. Because something's mastering you. Something is mastering you. Someone is mastering you. Either Satan or Jesus. Your choice. To go your way, to live your life, to do you, to do you, to do you, to be bound by sin, to allow sin to control you. (laughs) Or to hear the gospel, the message of freedom that is found only in Christ, the resurrected Son of God, who has defeated sin and death to be born again of a new spirit. To be free, yet a slave. A slave to righteousness, to right living. It's crazy that upholding truth is hated. It used to be where it was allowed. But now, living a right life, you look like you're crazy. Oh, but let us not forget what this scripture says here. So don't use your freedom as an excuse to do evil. To do evil. I'm going to close in Romans 6. And I'm actually going to read from the Bible that I had in my hands 22 years ago. And it's the Amplified Bible. And as I told you all before, when I was learning Scripture years ago, I only had the Amplified translation, which lengthens Scripture to really give a full understanding of, of what Scripture is saying. So the translation is going to be different than if you have any other translations that you may have. But at 2.30 p.m., 22 years ago, when I threw this Bible on the floor and I said, God, speak to me. God, if I'm really living a life that does not honor you, then show me in your word. And the Bible opened to this, Romans 6. What shall we say to all of this? Are we to remain in sin 
in order that God's grace, favor, and mercy may multiply and overflow? Certainly not. How can we who died to sin live in it any longer? Are you ignorant of the fact that all of us who have been baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into his death? We are buried, therefore, with him by the baptism into death so that just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glorious power of the Father, so we too might habitually live and behave in newness of life. For if we have become one with him by sharing a death like his, we shall also be one with him in sharing his resurrection by a new life lived for God. We know that our old, unrenewed self was nailed to the cross with him in order that our body, which is the instrument of sin, might be made ineffective and inactive for evil, that we might no longer be the slaves of sin. For when a man dies, he is freed, loosed, delivered from the power of sin among men. Now we... Now, if we have died with Christ, we believe that we shall also live with him. Because we know that Christ, the anointed one, being once raised from the dead, will never die again. Death no longer has power over him. For by the death he died, he died to sin, ending his relation to it once and for all. And the life that he lives, he is living to God in unbroken fellowship with him. Even so, consider yourselves also dead to sin and your relationship to it broken, but alive to God, living in unbroken fellowship with him in Christ Jesus. Let not sin, therefore, rule as keen in your mortal, short-lived, perishable bodies to make you yield to its cravings and be subject to its lust and evil passions. Do not continue offering or yielding your bodily members and faculties to sin as instruments or tools of wickedness, but offer and yield yourselves to God as though you have been raised from the dead to perpetual life and your bodily members and faculties to God, presenting them as I'm sorry, presenting them as implements of righteousness. For sin shall not any longer exert dominion over you, since now you are not under law as slaves, but under God's grace as subjects of God's favor and mercy. What then are we to conclude? Shall sin because shall sin I'm sorry, shall we sin because we live not under law but under God's favor and mercy? Certainly not. Do you not know that if you continually surrender yourselves to anyone to do his will, you are the slaves of whom you obey, whether that be the sin which leads to death or to obedience which leads to righteousness, right doing and right standing with God. But thank God, though you were once slaves of sin, you have become obedient with all your heart to the standard of teaching in which you were instructed and to which you were committed. 
And having been set free from sin, you have become the servants or slaves of righteousness, of conformity to the divine will in thought, purpose, and action. I am speaking in familiar human terms because of your natural limitations. For as, as, for as you yielded your bodily members and faculties as servants to impurity and ever-increasing lawlessness, so now yield your bodily members and faculties once and for all as servants to righteousness, right being and doing, which leads to sanctification. For when you were slaves of sin, you were free in regard to righteousness." But then what benefit return did you get from the things of which you are now ashamed? None, for the end of those things is death. But now, since you have been set free from sin and you have become the slaves of God, you have your present reward in holiness and its end is eternal life. For the wages which sin pays is death. But the bountiful free gift of God is eternal life through in union with Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. Freedom, you all. Freedom. It is only found in Christ. We can't continue to keep making excuses for ourselves, for our loved ones, for anyone else. Do we not see how destructive sin is? even just a little bit of it. We've got to stop making excuses. We must become bold in our witness because as we see, the enemy's getting bolder. His level of reign and terror is just going to increase. And as Christians, we cannot be weak-willed, cowering down. We must stand in the assurance of who our God is. He has defeated sin and death. He has stripped the enemy of his power over, over us. And God is not a respecter of persons. If he's done it for us, he could do it for them. And we must believe that. We must believe it. We cannot be cowards. We can no longer be cowards. We must speak. And we must speak boldly and confidence of who our God is and the hopes that he has given us. And we must seek him as he is to be found if we seek him with our whole heart. And 22 years ago, I sought him. He called me. He was working in and through me, but I kept resisting him. I kept listening to the lies of the enemy that I was okay with God, that surely I'm just going to continue to sin That's just who I was. It's just what I do. And God's okay with it. But I was tormented. I, I was finding no rest in this newfound faith. And it wasn't until I asked him, then show me. And he opened up Romans 6. And it changed my life. Because how can I continue to be enslaved to sin? when I've been set free. And how can you, how can anyone? So what is my hope? 
that over these past years and months and days that the Lord has been working in and through us, that we would hear him because he's been speaking clearly for us to wake up, to wake up, that he wants to do a new thing among us. And I'm believing that he's going to do it in, in, a, in a way that increases our boldness to be a witness for him. So I just want us to come together, the days that we come together in unity of heart and mind and say, yes, Lord Jesus, have your way. Let your will be done among us. True freedom fellowship. Mm -hmm. Let us understand where we're saying that our hand is in our hearts and our feet and our whole being is in. <laughs> this is our fellowship. This is our home. We are part of the, the global earth of, of the global church on the earth. <laughs> and there's work to be done. There's work to be done. So let us rejoice, you all, in freedom. Know that you're free. And if you don't have that insurance, assurance like that scripture says, like don't lose that assurance. Like when you first believed. No, you you're you're to have that assurance that you've been sealed, that you have been marked. By the Holy Spirit. And that's how you're to be living your life, guarded, each guarding each step, guarding each thought, guarding each word, guarding where your hands are going. Like you're just walking in obedience to Christ. Because you're a dead woman. You're a dead man. The old has passed away. And behold, all things are new. Make sure you're sharing it. Just don't keep excusing stuff any longer. We must awaken to the urgency of the day and of the hour. Because our king is coming, you all. I'm going to close this with this last song. And then I'll close this in prayer. Can I 
eyes to see Can I live without your love? Can I live without your love? Mm -hmm. Can I live without your love? Mm -hmm. Can I live without your love? Father, I need you. Oh, Father, I need you. Every breath I breathe, I'm reminded. I need you. I need you. Oh, I need you. The moment of my day. Oh, Lord, we need you. We need you.